0: Hello Serie a fan, two weeks into 2022 and we've seen miracle comebacks, last-minute heartbreak, off-field brawls and injury crises, and that's just at Juventus. Inter are rescued by a caged lion as they claim the first silverware of the year, while Insignia prepares to bid farewell to Napoli for the sunny climes of, checks notes, Toronto. We discuss all that and more in this episode of Scudetto. Hello and welcome back to the pod, and a happy new year to to all of our listeners. Uh, we unfortunately are starting the the new year just as a, a two piece. Unfortunately, Oscar is off sick this week, so we're wishing him a, a very very speedy recovery. Uh, but but yeah, we hope you've uh, you've all enjoyed a good break uh, break from the the football as well, although. Uh, right back into that now but Boaz you are here with me uh this week uh thankfully how have you been and have you made any any new year's resolutions or anything
1: first of all you saying that uh, we're here as a two-piece makes it sound like Oscar is off doing some eccentric side project or something but uh uh, (laughs) I I yeah new year resolution was to for my podcast to take over the world and become the, the leading Italian podcast in the market so um Let's see how that goes. Maybe <laughs> listeners can call me up on this this time next year.
0: Yeah, yeah. Let's see where we are then. And have you got a, a drink for for this evening?
1: Yeah, I was uh, very pleased to find uh, that my local alcohol dealer has somehow stocked up on uh, a bunch of Beaver Town beers. So I happily bought one of each. Tremendous. I've got uh, Ray with me right now, and um, my infant son is particularly infused by the the color of the cans, and he keeps picking them out of the fridge at seven in the morning and saying dad <laughs> have one of these um probably not very appropriate so um i i, I try yeah. not to drink at that time
0: that's that's how bad habits start was um i have uh i i also have a, a beer this evening i've got a Chihuava radical lager uh it's actually quite pleasant it's uh the, the the guava is not too too dominant, it's more kind of a hint of guava and it's uh, really quite refreshing actually. So that's my first beer of the year and uh, happy to say it's a good one. I just had my first sip of
1: Gamma Ray in about two years and I, it's as good as I remember it. I appreciate that in some markets people will be like, oh, this is just a standard beer. But uh, it's nice, it's, it's good to have it back in my life.
0: Yeah, they're good, aren't they? they're good pricey but good uh right okay let's get on to the football uh because obviously it's been a bit of a shambles uh, of a start to the year really with covid hitting the calendar particularly in uh, game week 20 so that the first game's back uh, with four cancellations but obviously knock-on effects as well with all sorts of chaos in the run-up to to the the games on the weekend just gone, but I think a nice place to actually start this is at the the Super Cup final because we've got the first the first silverware of the year has been handed out, uh, and it is uh, the Nerazzurri Inter who have uh, taken the the title. In terms of the game itself, Inter kind of dominated. They were the definitely the better team. Uh, Juve. You know we're, were organised and kind of resolute, uh, but same issues uh, as always. Really, with uh, under uh, a uh, uh, But you know they they managed to take it to to extra time. It looked for all the world as if it was going to penalties, and then at the very end there was obviously that Alexandro, a bit of a shocker, uh, the blooper that that led to Alexis Sanchez grabbing a late dramatic winner for for Inter. So first of all, Boaz, I guess an all-encompassing question: What did you make of the game?
1: Ultimately, I feel the the better team won, of course, and uh, the the team with the most quality came out on top. Having said that, um, Juventus did make the most of their res- resources, and they they did put up a good fight. But ultimately, it wasn't enough. But they they took the champions to almost to uh, uh, penalties. So. Uh, it was an interesting game, if not a particularly uh, pretty game. Let's put it this way. I don't think there will be any complaints that Inter eventually won it. I think it's a credit to actually to Simone Inzaghi because he seems to have quite a track record with this competition in particular.
0: Yeah, I mean, a lot of the Italian media are kind of discussing whether or not this, you know, backing up the Scudetto by winning this. Uh, whether that marks the start of a winning cycle for for Inter personally i, I don't know i mean what, what's your take on that i feel that the i
1: mean the supercoppa is the classic competition that if you win it 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 means the world to you and if you're not in it it doesn't really matter at all probably if you, losing it at the so close to the end for juventus will sting but i think uh looking back it's not it's not the end of the world but uh i mean it's a classic quote but winning breeds uh, winning a winning mentality breeds more winning and um coming out on top against a team that ostensibly are inter's biggest rivals at the moment does does uh do wonders for for the team morale and for the for their self-esteem and also for the project
0: yeah, I mean, I guess that's it, isn't it, is uh, winning trophies breeds breeds confidence and kind of, I guess, psychology in sport is is a huge thing. It's spoken about a lot, but I, I think it, it does still go kind of, kind of uh, undervalued. Uh, I mean, personally, I would say that it's still very, very early days to Kind of be assuming that Inter are going to be running away um, with the Scudetto uh, because Milan obviously have come back from Christmas. They look very refreshed. They've got um, two two wins under their belt. I think Inter are now only what a point ahead, um, and obviously they've got a big big run of games. So we'll see whether that actually translates uh, into into the league. Uh, obviously, as well worth noting. Uh, that Milan who if we're honest are the only uh, challengers really now I would say to to Inter for the for the title Milan don't have the the european football so I think it's going to be a really exciting uh, second half of the season actually I think it's uh, I think we're going to get a a good a good title run out of it If
1: I had to be a little bit cheeky I would say that uh, Inter will not have much of a european run once they face uh, Liverpool in the next <laughs> tie but we'll see how that goes. Inzaghi might surprise us.
0: We will, of course, see see how that goes. The other side in this uh, in this final, obviously, Juve also in the the Champions League and the Champions League. Any thought on them, boys?
1: It goes without saying that Juventus have hardly set the league on fire this season, both in terms of play and crucially in terms of results. And once more, you could bemoan a transfer policy that has not been functional to. Uh, the play of Sari to Pirlo, who incidentally did win this competition, as well as now Allegri, Yeah. Inter could field their best eleven and still rely on impact subs come on the be- off the bench and completely change the game. In contrast, you had the Juventus side that was missing the leaked Quadrado, yeah. Chesney with his bizarre um, green pass issues, as well as uh, Chiesa, who we'll get back onto later. But you have to say that the players in the current squad really don't fit Allegri's system.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. I think, I mean, you did touch on something there about just uh, the the depth of, of Inter squad. I think we're really, really seeing that now, aren't we? Uh, but yeah, I mean, Dybala apparently uh, left off just for purely tactical reasons, uh, according to some of the kind of analysis that I was reading uh, afterwards. Um, on the
1: topic of Dybala, I found it slightly bizarre to leave him on the bench, ostensibly for tactical reasons. But, uh, you know, Dibala was supposed to be the poster boy of this side, and particularly now that uh, Ronaldo has gone, he was supposed to be essentially their star player. This was the week where it was reported in Italian media that he would not be renewing his contract, despite yeah. the Turin club uh, seemingly intent on signing him up again. But if you're leaving your best player on the bench in a final, it doesn't really give him confidence, and it doesn't show that the manager is 100% committed to him. Yeah. So, um, once again, it goes back to what, we, what I mentioned earlier, that... Uh, the recruitment at Juventus in recent years has not been on point.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think in a, a different system, he's the, the player that you build this uh, Juve around. I've he, heard it said that in a team that gives up so much possession, you lose so much from from Paulo Dybala, uh, which I think is a very, very fair point. Um, but yeah, if he doesn't renew, it'll be interesting to see where he ends up because he, uh, I, I absolutely love Paulo Dybala. Um, big, big fan, as I'm sure anyone who's listened to this podcast will will know. But yeah, speaking about Juve, they came into this game off the back of that incredible, incredible game in, in Rome. Uh, it was the game of the week last week, uh, and Roma obviously getting themselves 3-1 ahead, looked like they were running away with it, and then within the space of, what was it, seven minutes or something, Juve completely turning the game on its head, and you've got to say Roma, throwing it away. Um, Also, given the fact that they had the chance to kind of uh, draw a level from the penalty spot afterwards. uh, So just an absolute shambles from Roma's point of view and from Mourinho's point of view, uh, just when it looked like he was kind of pulling out an important result against another team that uh, competing, if not for Champions League spot, perhaps for... you know Europa League spot, uh, but from from Juve's point of view, there's that's very encouraging, right? That's something that Allegri can build on, wouldn't you say?
1: It was a a character win and perhaps a, a match dictated by a little bit of fluke. As um, I was quite fond of uh, De Silvio, who ended up scoring the winning goal. I was quite fond of his post match quotes, where he essentially said that they'd kind of entered the pitch a bit a cazzo, a bit uh, mm. how would you translate that kenny
0: well they just haphazardly i don't know
1: yeah they couldn't be bothered which is kind of damning if you consider the, the club he plays for but uh, yeah it was a few minutes of madness and also like a couple of um defensive mistakes that you really don't expect mm. uh, for a mourinho side it felt like as mourinho himself said although it's a bit strange that he is the one saying it but it felt like they crumbled under the weight of expectation.
0: Yeah and obviously Mourinho's got a, a bit of a track record of saying that at uh, clubs that he's uh, gone on to gone on to leave bad bad news for Juve and this obviously that Chiesa injury that you you mentioned earlier that I mean that's bad news for Juve and it's bad news for for Italy um it's his anterior cruciate ligament which he's torn uh, and certainly out for for the season could be could be longer but how much of a blow is that? I guess let's take it in two parts. First of all, how much of a blow is it to Juve and how much of a blow is it to Italy, obviously going into those uh, World Cup playoffs?
1: Paradoxically, I think that it's a bigger blow for Italy than it is for Juve because it it has felt at times this season that uh, Allegri didn't quite know where to fit uh, Chiesa in Although in uh, in Allegri's defence in the last few games, it felt it did feel like Chiesa was coming into his own and starting to uh, become the leader that we expect him to be. But for Italy, it's um, with Zaniolo still not back to his best and with um, Immobile's uh, well-documented uh, lack of scoring power when, whenever he wears the Azzui shirt, Chiesa was really someone that we could rely on. Him being out with it against the game... The potential game against uh, Portugal is a huge blow.
0: Well, we're we're saying a game against Portugal, uh, but
1: I said potential. I made sure to uh, oh, s- right. stick my hands out in front of me. Fair enough.
0: Yeah, it could be Turkey. Wouldn't disagree with any of that. It could. It could be. Uh, <laughs> I guess. I guess. Just looking forward to next weekend, the big game. Undoubtedly, undoubtedly, the big game is the one in Bergamo between Atalanta and Inter. I mean, this feels to me like a huge game for both clubs. Uh, it feels like a huge game for Inter for obvious reasons, because uh, it's, you know, a very, very, very tough game and Milan could potentially overtake them again. But for Atalanta as well, I think the, uh, the that Champions League race is really looking like it's going to be between Napoli, Atalanta and, and Juve at the moment. In the context of, of that, in the context of a title race in Champions League, uh, what what would you say, Boaz, how important is this game?
1: I think this touches on some themes that we've spoken about in past episodes. Atalanta, um, d- despite getting more points than they've ever had before at this stage of the season, they always seem to kind of uh, hiccup when the weight of expectation is on their shoulders. We saw yeah. that in the Champions League, we saw it in, in the game against Roma, where but if you look at the pure stats, they, they should have won that game quite easily. But Roma mm. somehow got, came away with a 4-1 victory. The same with uh, losses against Milan, etc. So um, this is a real uh, test of Atalanta's character. And I think the the two games that they've had so far have been uh, a, quite a gentle build-up for this uh, game against the champions. And Atalanta, despite not, not looking like they're putting 100% into the games, came away with... Two very easy victories, and now is the time to uh, to stamp their uh, their authority. The flip side is that um, Inter had a little bit of a moan about the asymmetric calendar that's uh, been introduced for the first time. And uh, obviously, you can tell that most of Inter's uh, quote-unquote big gains are going to be between now and the beginning of March, including um, they've just had Lazio, they're going to have Atalanta, they also have Milan and Juve coming up. But uh, should they come out of this game relatively unscathed it would put them on uh, on a very good path towards uh, a second Scudetto
0: yeah yeah I'd agree with that and I'd also agree with the point on Atalanta so uh, the Udinese game you look at the result you see it was 6-2 but I I was yeah I watched that game obviously um, and it did feel uh, Atalanta were so comfortable in that game they really were but I'm not. I'm really not sure that that was a, a six-two game. I mean, I think it was more just Udinese just for, for starters, just not really creating Atalanta any any real trouble. Um, and then I think after uh, after the fourth goal went in, it was just kind of like target practice. Really, Udinese were
1: very ang- angered by that game, and um, yeah, they felt that it should have been postponed. Yeah, they ended up playing players who had not trained all week. So I mean, yeah. the six-two score is is a bit of a freak result, but generally speaking, you'd expect Atalanta to beat Udinese uh, nine times out of ten.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's fair. And uh, I mean, we should mention as well that that is one of the games that was uh yeah for for COVID-related re- reasons was uh, just I mean, it was up in the air right up until I think an hour or so before kickoff, no one really knew if it was actually gonna gonna go ahead. Right. There is one final thing before we move on to the Good Week, Bad Week section uh, that we should talk about because, I mean, it's sad news for fans of Italian football, really. Uh, But uh, Insigne is going to be moving to Toronto at the end of this season. Obviously, that's been confirmed, announced, uh, along with some uh, interesting social media uh, (laughs) messages from, from the player himself. And the club. And the club, yes, exactly. Um, but I mean, Insigne is going to be 31, uh, I believe, by the time this, this move happens. He's going for 11 million euros a year. Um, uh, just for for context, I mean, we're going to come on to it later, but players like... Chalanoglu going to Inter for six million. Um, Zlatan earning around the same amount. I mean that is a lot of money eleven million uh, euros a year. Uh, if you're in senior, what would you have done? Would you would you be sticking out in Syria for obviously incredible sums of money, but you know half as much as you'd be likely to to earn in in the MLS.
1: Football is a weird profession because, I mean, if he was a banker or if he worked for a shop and someone said, let me triple your salary if you come work for me in Toronto, then no one would have any gripes with that. But uh, football brings in all sorts of uh, aspects of loyalty and the quality of the league as well is is supposed to be a factor. I personally would go in the blink of an eye, even though I'm quite averse to cold weather. But uh, I mean, (laughs) I think the difference between Napoli and Toronto could not be wider, but uh, it's going to be interesting, yeah. and I, I can't really like uh, say anything bad against him because, after all, he's going to end his career in three or four years, and whatever money exactly. he makes now is going to is supposed to last him for the rest of his life. At the same time, it's kind of sad to see that he's moving to what is currently at least a, a lesser league, and for us, at least, and slightly selfishly, we will probably won't be able to see him. Although, yeah. on a personal level, I'll be able to report about him in my personal. Uh, Keeping up with the Italians uh, segment. So there's that at least. Of
0: course. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, so you'll be keeping all of the Italian football fans up to date. And that, as I suspect, is perhaps how you will uh, manage to maintain your New Year resolution of having the uh, <laughs> most listened to Italian podcast. Right. Okay. It is time to move on to Good Week, Bad Week, the first Good Week, Bad Week of the year. Let's start off with Good Week. Buzz, let's try and start start the year in a positive note. Uh who is your nomination for a good week and why? I had I was considering saying Milan
1: because the um, for a while in December it looked like they were really off the rails, but uh after a decent win against Empoli, they've managed to win their first two games back, albeit against um quite small opposition. But uh for me the the most improved team or the team that has impressed me the most has to be uh Cagliari who managed to uh get two back-to-back uh wins from behind and one of them was in the 91st minute so extra extra glory for the the final kick of the game basically
0: yeah yeah i think that's a very good shot i mean inter would be the obvious one but we can't give Inter, despite the, the number of times that we say this. We can't give Inter a good week every week.
1: <laughs> Inter, in in our defense for not giving it to Inter, the game their game against Bologna was called off, so they had one less game to impress us in.
0: Yeah, I guess that's true. Although, technically, that would have been last week. But it is our first week back, so point very much taken. Yeah, I'm happy with Cagliari uh, getting good week. Also, on the basis that I think we've given them bad week at least once before. Credit where it's due.
1: I'm pretty sure they've never had a good week or maybe maybe had it once. So let's, let's yeah. share the love.
0: Yeah, yeah. Fair play. Fair play. Right, bad week. I think we both agree on this one. Do you want to, to reveal... Who who this week has had a bad week?
1: Anyone who listens to who has listened to this pod so far, or who has watched Serie A this week, will have to say uh, Roma. If not Mourinho, the the calamitous loss uh, cannot be uh, erased, and also they also lost to Milan three one in the in the previous game week, and right, that kind of uh, puts to bed the Mourinho fury that now they're be- they're beating big teams and. I'm going to keep an eye on the stats of how many days since Roma and Mourinho <laughs> beat the top six team.
0: Are you going to let Mourinho know? Turn well, up at a press conference.
1: I'm sure I'll tag him as I've done in the past. I doubt he will care.
0: <laughs> Great. Okay, so that's it then. Settled. Good week, Cagliari. Bad week, Roma. No complaints from me, obviously. But Roma, I fully, fully agree. Right, so uh, we're just going to do a quick round-up, the best of the rest. Uh, so starting off with the Coppa Italia, which has obviously also uh, started uh, the, the round of 16, kicked off this uh, this week. And starting off with Fiorentina, who beat Napoli 5-2 in extra time. Uh, Atalanta beating Venezia 2-0 after what must be said was a contentious Muriel goal, uh, which was judged not to be handballed by VAR. I couldn't personally make up my mind whether it was or it wasn't. From a photograph I saw on social media, it looked very blatant. But then when I watched the replays, uh, to me, it, it still looks like it hits its shoulder. Uh, and the other one is Milan, who overcame Genoa. That game had kicked off by the time we started recording tonight, but um, was close to finishing. It was 3-1 at the time. That's presumably how it ended, Boaz.
1: Yep. And uh, Milan seemingly stabbing Shevchenko on the back in the yeah. back, and uh, he he's apparently very close to being sacked at Genoa.
0: Yeah, sad, sad if that does happen. Elsewhere, Brozovic has extended his contract at Inter, reportedly going to be earning six million euros per year plus bonuses. I don't think that's been officially announced yet, but it's one of those very badly kept secrets.
1: It's uh, very deserved.
0: Yeah, absolutely deserved a fantastic midfielder, and yeah, I th- I thought absolutely that he was uh, he was one of Inter's most important players last year as well. Often an unsung hero, really, uh, although not among Inter fans, it must be said. But this year, I think he's definitely getting the plaudits he deserves.
1: He's really improved both under Conte and now under Inzaghi, and he's added a little bit of um, fantasy to his uh, game, which really adds a uh, new dimension.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah agreed uh and mino rayola who underwent surgery in milan uh those close to him have denied reports that it was uh, emergency surgery we should say uh, have said that he's doing okay it was a planned procedure uh, but nonetheless uh, we have to say uh, all the best and uh, yeah hope he's Back to full fitness.
1: The rumours that it's a hernia uh, surgery for all the money bags that he's carrying are completely false.
0: (laughs) Uh, Right, okay. On that note, on to uh, transfer news. Transfer window is open, obviously. And uh, Fiorentina have signed Piontek, who immediately got on the score sheet in that napoli Coppa Italia game that we we spoke about there. Debut goal for him. Boga to Atalanta from Sassuolo. I mean, it appears to be done uh, to To the point where he's been pictured holding up a shirt and uh, Gasp- Gasparini mentioned him in a press conference as one of the players that was unavailable to him. But Atalanta have still not announced the signing. But I mean, that is... It, definitely the worst kept secret in Italian football seems to be a done deal uh, Roma have signed Sergio Oliveira from Porto and Ainsley Maitland-Niles from Arsenal
1: this is the football manager approach to signing players I, I kind of know his name let's sign him
0: Yeah, it's just that I mean that seems to be Roma's approach seems to be uh raid the the Premier League basically, uh, and the Portuguese League, I guess, because Mourinho knows knows that well as well. Um, Andrea Conti has gone from Milan to Sampdoria, and Inter have signed Ajax keeper Onana, who will join the club in the summer.
1: That's Rihanna's favourite player. <laughs>
0: uh, right, moving on. Uh, obviously, the, there's changes to the COVID regulations all over the place, uh, including the match day changes where used to be Thirteen player. I mean, I, I lose count to be honest. But um, used to be thirteen players that had to test positive before games were postponed. That's changing to eight, I believe. The
1: Italian Serie has decided to um more or less copy the way the Bundesliga is dealing with yeah, that's right COVID, and so yeah, it's, it's down to very few players, and it's their intention to not postpone any more games. Which is kind of funny because with the exception of the Premier League. Uh, Italy is the, the league with the most postponed games out of the top five leagues
0: yeah uh, and obviously also COVID restrictions have been brought back in uh, on stadiums as well now a maximum of 5,000 fans that's right which is it? ridiculous Ridic- did you want to expand on that?
1: <laughs> yeah if you, it's it means that I mean it it doesn't really have much of a. am not a doctor but it, it means that uh, a stadium like Venezia's they can have almost half of their stadium there Whereas San Siro is completely empty, but if the if the, these people are all sitting next to each other, it, that, that really doesn't make a difference. So, um, yeah. I think I think these restrictions should be on the basis of how much uh, how many people can actually fit in the place, and the yeah. authorities should uh, work on regulations where people don't sit next to each other, as opposed to uh, X amount that. of people. I mean, if you have half a stadium full in in Fury, you could have a seat between each person, and also make sure everyone wears masks. And that way, you you restrict the the contagion. But all, ultimately, stadiums are open air, and I think yeah. the chance of catching COVID in this in these conditions is much lower than certain other activities that seem to be given a a pass.
0: Yeah, that's true. I think one of the arguments, though, is just the sheer mass of people that go to these events and uh, public transport getting there. Uh, so people crowding onto buses, trams, metros, etc.
1: I think this has been driven partly from um, images on TV showing uh, gra- groups of ultras and whatnot uh, grouped together in in, in a section, mm. hugging after goals, etc. Yeah, but, uh,
0: certainly that make that makes no sense. Allowing you know <laughs> five thousand people all to be in the same stand, pretty much, which seems to be the case when you watch a lot of games.
1: But at the same time, the messaging is very confused. For example, the these this restriction you just mentioned to five thousand people did not apply for the coppa italian games that happened today and uh, they're only applying for the next two games and then we'll see obviously uh we'll be a lot wiser in a few weeks time what's happening with omicron but if you're going to make re- if you're going to put restrictions down stick them down immediately the like last week's games were fine now it's not fine it just feels yeah. like it's a uh, very confused messaging
0: yeah thank thankfully the the virus will wait for us to play these two these two rounds of games before we decide to yeah no, that's that's a very good point.
1: And I mentioned it earlier, but um, the Chesney had some issues with it. he's not been he's not received yeah, his uh, full vaccination, and therefore his green pass. Had he been sent off in the game against uh, Inter, he would not be allowed to be in the stadium. He'd have to go to his car, or some something ridiculous like that. <laughs> so again, again, like uh, COVID just opens up a whole bunch of uh, weird situations that we just never expected.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right, we're going to finish off on the news that Genoa signed uh, under-21 Italy whiz-kid Yeboah, which will make Boaz very sad. And on that note, Boaz, keeping up with the Italians.
1: Yeah, I mean, Yeboah was a stalwart for me. He scored, uh, I believe, seven goals in Austria for uh, Austria-Vienna, and he uh, he was making a name for himself for the Azzurini as well. And he actually came on in the game today for Genoa versus Milan, so... I wish him the best of his career and I think we mentioned in the past but he's t- he's related to Tony Ebois, so extra credit for that. So first of all I've got um, Alessio Lishi who we, you may remember we mentioned a few weeks ago who t- he took over as Levante coach a reminder he's only 36 years old and he, he, he scored his first win for the club and it's also the first win of the season so good on him. Also going back a few weeks we had uh uh, Ranieri take on Conte in Watford versus Spurs, a game that Spurs ultimately won, but nice to see um, two old acquaintances meet in England. Going around the tour the world a little bit, Federico Spada, formerly of uh, Parma and Udinese's Academy, has become the director of sport at Fortaleza, the Colombian second division club. Very interesting. Closer to me, Davide Petrucci, who used to be a Roma a prospect, Scored his first goal for league leaders 'er Ber in the desert here. And uh, far away, Valerio Reculia is the new manager of North Shore Shore United AFC of New Zealand, apparently the oldest club in New Zealand. And um, Gianni DeBiazzi has renewed his contract with the Azerbaijan national team, whereas Roberto Bordin has quit his post as the Moldova manager. That's it for Keeping Up With The Italians.
0: Excellent. Thank you very much, Boaz. Nice and concise. Um, right, honorables and dishonorables basically is uh, what we've got left. Um, I'm I'm going to kick us off with an honorable mention for Simone Inzaghi who after the Sup- the Supercoppa win has now won four out of five finals that he has been involved in as a manager. So an honorable mention to him from me.
1: He's also he's beaten He's beaten Allegri twice in this competition.
0: There you go, uh, and I think one of those, I think one of the victories in the cups as well was against Allegri as well, uh, And Allegri-managed Juve side. I think it's the third time that he's beaten Juve in a final. Is that right? Am I am I getting mixed up here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, right. You've got. Is it an honourable for Zlatan doing Zlatan things?
1: This is the obligatory honourable for Zlatan. First of all, he scored against his 85th different opponent, which uh, is uh, quite unmatched. But also he's now scored for a 23rd season in a top flight, matching um, Totti and Ryan Giggs. Um, so should, were he to score next season in Serie A, again, he would be the first player to score 24 seasons in a top flight. That's ridiculous. He's been scoring in top top flight since nineteen
0: ninety nine. What a specimen. Talking about specimens, uh, I'm gonna give a goals honorable, my first goals honourable of the year, to petania Napolis Petania, for his acrobatics, which uh, you might you might not expect from him if you've ever well, if you've ever seen a photograph of him or if you've ever watched him play. Um but wonderful, wonderful uh, finish for Uh, napoli against samp and the winning goal uh i i thought you might take exception to this because it was a a very poor looping defensive header uh that he latched onto but the way he adjusted himself and yeah it was almost uh a well it was a volley but it was almost like a semi-bicycle kick like side on into pretty much into the top corner just a, a glorious glorious goal um, i would
1: normally take an se- exception to this but because it's Petania and he's built like a fridge he, there's exactly. no reason why he should be trying that at all
0: <laughs> exactly that was i was trying to allude to that um as politely as i possibly could uh right buzz you've got dishonorable for Andanovic.
1: Yeah, while well, Inter's win against Lazio was um, driven by their defense with two goals from um, Bastoni and De Vrij and also Bastoni setting up one of the goals, pretty much playing the the Ericsson role Bastoni seemingly. But um Andanovic the was heavily to blame for Lazio's goal and he, he, I'm not sure what he was doing and it's it's no surprise to me that uh, Inter have announced a new keeper coming up next season because Oof. if you have to look at one week spot in the whole team, it it has to be the, the number one.
0: Wow, Oof. The captain as well, following not for that long. dishonorable with another dishonorable. Uh, I couldn't tell if this was dishonorable or an honorable because I I quite enjoyed the fact that he said it, but I just have absolutely no idea why he did. But after scoring the winning goal in the Super Cup, uh, Alexis Sanchez gave it an interview on the, on the pitch, um, where he absolutely, I mean, he just went off on one. Basically, um, he had incredibly kind and heartfelt words about Alexis Sanchez, um, where he described himself as a lion in the cage, and. Uh, was was speaking about his goal and said, that's what champions are like. They do things others don't do. Uh, Also went on to basically say that Conte told him he was the best player at the club, but he was going to use him as an impact sub for the last 15 minutes. And I told him that I need to come on earlier than that and alluded to the fact that the same, similar sort of situations happening under Simone Inzaghi. I mean, it was just, out of nowhere, um, and I think realistically, it was a very uh, me-centric comment in uh, what is a, a great team collective uh, at, at Inter. So I'm giving him a dishonorable because I don't think it was necessarily the most uh, uh, the, the 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 best judged response to to the situation.
1: But furthermore, as as we mentioned. Previously, the the goal was um, heavily uh, aided by a defensive mistake, so it, it's not like Alexi Sanchez scored the goal of the season yeah. in, in that moment. I mean, it it was great that he scored it, but I, I pretty much think yeah. even Andanovic would have knocked that one in.
0: Yeah, even a literal lion in a cage might have done it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right, okay, so... Moving on from that to Bonucci, I think this, I, I'm guessing this can only be a dishonorable because I think I know what incident you're you are about to make reference to.
1: Yeah, I mean, Bonucci was on the sideline ready to come on, um, ostensibly to take penalties. And apparently Allegri was asking his players to commit a tactical foul so that the sub could be made. But before it was made, uh, Alexis Sanchez scored the goal we just mentioned and um, Bonucci got into an altercation with uh, a member of Inter's staff and ended up slapping him, which is just outrageous.
0: Yeah, it was outrageous. And, and he's
1: only got a 10,000 euro uh, fine so far. I'm not sure there's even a ban. So, very strange precedent set in the Super Cup.
0: It is, it is. Because, I mean, surely that's violent, violent conduct, right?
1: Yeah, but that's only on the page. You're allowed to slap the some random guy in a suit. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, it's the only and, and rule. Apparently it's tell, exception. Tell him that you're allowed that you're going to kill him as well, right? <laughs> because that's what the reports are. That he said, "I'm going to kill you." Yeah,
1: very yeah. interesting. I'm...
0: Stonewall dishonorable. We're, this is a very dishonorable centric episode. We started this episode so positively with uh sorry. This episode, this. Uh, Section so positively with the three or four honorable mentions, it's got it's turned very sour uh, because I've got a dishonorable now of my own for the eBay UK social media team. Uh, And this is basically following the the injury to Chiesa, the eBay team decided to. They've basically got this. I'm not, I'm I'm not going to give it too much oxygen uh, because uh, it was very, very ill judged. But they've got this competition at the moment where people can pay a fiver, essentially. Enter a competition, pay a fiver, and you get Roberto Carlos uh, potentially coming and turning out for your Sunday league side. Uh, and they decided to draw on the the injury to Chiesa and tagged the, the official Juventus account in a tweet uh, and said, hey, Juventus we've got a winger that we think might be able to help out and then emojis of like crying with laughter afterwards, uh, which obviously drew, you know, a lot of, uh, consternation from, from Italian football fans. Uh, not really the time where a player is, has a potentially career threatening injury to be trying to get some lols for the sake of promoting your, uh, to, let's let's be honest. You're t- second rate competition, uh, so <laughs> dishonorable for them. Totally. And uh, we're gonna end this. I ho- I'm hoping this is on a positive note, um, with a honorable from you, Boaz, for Verona player Ceccherini.
1: I was uh, very amused by Ceccherini's Instagram post last week. <laughs> he posted a picture of himself on the pitch with uh, the body of an opposition player, but. The head of his wife, and uh, the the quote was, um, "My wife always complains that I'm only posting Instagram pictures of football. So here is a picture of her." <laughs> totally. It's, it's just it's just so it's funny. I mean, to, in his defense, his next Instagram post was him announcing that uh, his uh, wife is pregnant. So uh, I mean, at very least, he's uh, gone on to make an actual post about her. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure she would Make have been amends. too happy with that previous one.
0: No, I don't think so. Don't think so. Right. Perfect. Thank you very much, Boaz. That is all we've got time for this week. That's us That's us done with the, the first episode of the year. Uh, so I just want to thank all the listeners. Once again, hope you've all enjoyed the break. Um, remind you all to please subscribe to Scudetto on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next week, enjoy the football. Lei sta decretando
1: lo La Juventus è campione d'Italia
0: a questa data, il senno del vigico, la Roma è campione d'Italia per la stagione 2000-2001.